Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Baseball is Back sort of edition of Sharing Socks. I am Southside Socks duty geezer Lee Allen with me, my son, and usually West Coast correspondent, which he fled because they have six and a half feet of snow in Los Angeles County somewhere. Um, but currently downtown Chicago correspondent as he started rehearsals for the Cherry Orchard at the Goodman Theater. And he'll be our downtown Chicago guy for a couple of months in here. More than two months, actually. So, uh, welcome to town. Uh, thank you, thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad that I got here and then sent the Chicago weather to Los Angeles. That was a very good plan of mine. It's worked out beautifully. Um, I doubt maybe they'll give you guys news. enough water to make it through the summer. Well, let's hope. Uh, baseball news in the loop is probably pretty similar to the baseball news in Lakeview. So, I think we could go <laughs> ahead and. Uh, and and move forward with this one. But yes, baseball is back. Spring training. It looks a little different. Uh at least a few of the games have looked a little different with some of these new rules. Yeah. Uh interesting things in the new rules. Uh the Sox have not had a big impact. Apparently I didn't watch Sunday's game. It wasn't on regular TV. Um but they did have a pitch clock violation in the ninth. And it was one of those strange things where maybe the catcher was giving signs to the infield and the clock stopped, started at a weird time. There's going to be a lot of that early yeah. on. Uh, the one where a game was crossed, uh, as it were, where that a game ended because a, a Braves guy struck out on a, a violation, but apparently the catcher wasn't set. It, it's that kind of thing is going to go on, but the games are faster. There, there is no question they're faster. Uh, 
there is no question that people are not having a whole lot of trouble adjusting, I don't think. Yeah, it, the the only adjustment seems to come from a sort of lack of clarity on who exactly needs to be set and how and when. Uh, I was watching, and I think it was a uh, – might have been a Boston hitter who was in the box and ready to go, but he was waiting on the pitcher before he got into his actual stance – and got called for delaying the game and was given a strike to make it 0-1. And, and you could see the confusion of, wait, but I'm in the box. I'm looking at the pitcher. I'm just not ready for the pitch. Uh, so that gray area really needs to be cleaned up because I do think it's going to be hard if you give a guy a strike just for being in the box and not being ready for the ball. Uh, I, I'm not sure. It, it seemed like he was just sort of doing traditional baseball etiquette of, of waiting till the pitcher's ready, which I guess is what they're trying to get him not to do. But the pitcher needs to be ready after 15 seconds. So, and, and there's an eight second rule with the batter needs to be ready within eight seconds to received the pitch uh right i do think it's going to be a little tough i mean you're you're batting as a major league hitter and now you've got to be counting to eight or keeping your eye on a, a batting clock of some sort or keeping an eye on the the pitching clock and knowing that when it gets to seven you need to be ready uh i i think there's definitely going to be a learning curve there but other than that I am kind of into it. I, I, yeah, we do have evidence that with the games that they've been doing it, it does speed up the game uh, considerably. Um, and I think once teams and players get better at it and, and understand it and can kind of get out of the gray area and the rules become a little more black and white to them, I think it will speed up the game considerably. Uh, we'll be looking at under three-hour baseball games. Thank goodness. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love a, a long baseball game as much as the next guy, but our, our pattern of leaning closer to four hours than two hours was becoming problematic. So I, I think these rules are good. Uh, well, that's one rule. The, the, the pitch yeah. clock rule is one rule. Uh, I watched Saturday's game. You can't do it because you've been in rehearsal. And we're recording this on Monday before White Sox game number three. So they've had the two games, two losses, but they first game, no games. The spring training need much of anything. Certainly the early ones don't mean much of anything except for maybe isolated things with individuals, which you can get to. Um, other rules. Oh, one thing Steve Stone and, and Jason Modetti were talking about the clock and Steve was saying the advantage because you've been saying, well, the pitchers won't be able to load up and throw a hundred miles an hour every time because they can't gather their breath that fast, some of them. Uh, Steve was saying he thought the advantage went to the pitcher because the pitcher controls what happens when. Yeah. that Now that he's got I to control it within 15 with. seconds, but he, he's still in control of the situation. And he thinks – but they said two confusing things. First of all, they said it's better for the pitcher, the, the pitch clock. And the other one was they expected a little more offense because of it. So I'm not sure – that that seems to be in conflict. 
But yeah, maybe anyway. maybe they mean more balls in play and and fewer walks and strikeouts. Um, yeah, if the advantage goes to the pitcher, I don't fully understand the idea of more offense coming out of that. But I do get what he's saying about that advantage. You know, the batters, a, a crucial part of Major League Baseball is the batter trying to figure out what pitch is coming. Uh, and they certainly have far less time to do so. You know, they're running through a scouting report in their heads the same way pitchers are. And if you only have seven seconds, eight seconds to make that decision, that is considerably less time. So I think that does put the pitcher at a, a slight advantage in terms of that aspect of pitching. I would think velocities will go down a little bit across the board, with the exception of your closers who know that they don't have to work very long. Uh, but I would think your starting pitchers would see a little bit of a dip in velocity throughout the season, which is good for offense. Uh, so maybe there's an advantage that the pitchers uh, get to control tempo even more, and it becomes harder for the batter to guess what's coming. But there's an advantage for the offense that the pitchers are maybe taking a little bit of off of each pitch. So it makes it easier to put a ball in play. Uh, you know, our sample size is virtually non-existent at this point. So and, and know that most, most pitchers aren't airing it out now. Anyway, they're, they're in a comfort zone pitch kind of thing rather than, yeah, I got it. I got to gear it up to a 99 uh, other role changes. Let us see the, Throw over to first or stepping off the bag. You can only have three disengagements from the bag. And, and, and Stoney was talking about the fact that's where he expects the bulks to come. Not from on the bag or, or from the rubber? I mean, off, off the rubber. Okay. Uh, yeah. he, he expects it to come not on throws to first because they know how many of those they did, but on an unthinking stepping back off the rubber, taking your back foot off the rubber behind it which is a very typical thing to do. That's going to happen because that's kind of an automatic thing. So pitchers are going to need mostly to adjust on that one because if they made their two throws in an at-bat, they can very easily just unthinkingly step back. Yeah, which you're you're taught to do uh, from a a young pitching age if you are unclear of what's about to happen, if you think there's any miscommunication, if you think – uh, there's there's confusion about what this pitch might be. You're taught to step off the the back of the rubber to avoid that bulk. Um, that which I, speaking of those confusions, I, pitch clock problems. Uh, pitch clock problems are going to uh, pitch cock will influence pitch clock <laughs> uh, because you have those communication problems show up all the time. I mean, there are very few games where isn't some pitcher looking inside his hat and adjusting uh, the little dial that's in there. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do about that. Um, and I think they know what they're going to do about that. Uh, but I looked at box scores of not all the games, but a lot of the games from Saturday and Sunday. And you would expect with the no throws over after two kind of thing, more stolen bases. I mean, that's kind of the whole idea. Uh, I mean, part of it's time, but mostly it's stolen bases. There weren't. I mean, it, it was just typical. The team might have one stolen base. I think the most of so was two. Some had none in a given game. Now, part of that, especially for the major league regulars, they may be saying, you know, let's not get hurt early, uh, kind of thing. Sure. But yeah, it, they just there just wasn't this abundance 
of people taking off for second base because somebody threw over twice. I, I think they're probably not throwing over much at all. But yeah, that that's that's the thing. If if they're not throwing over, then that doesn't actually change anything because you don't have your freedom to take that base until they've already maxed out of their throws. Well, most pitchers just aren't going to max out on the throws now. That's just going to become an aspect of the game as making it unclear how many times you're even willing to throw over. Uh, once a pitcher does show signs that they're going to throw over a couple times, then I think you'll start to see a lot more stolen bases. We haven't seen it yet. I think you're right that a big part of that is just health-related. Uh, guys just aren't ready to necessarily be doing it, and they don't want to risk the in- injury on February 26th. Um, but I, I do think that that rule doesn't matter too much um, because let's let's face it, there weren't that many circumstances where you had pitchers throwing over 10 times. You know, it, it, it happens occasionally where you get a guy throwing over three or four times. You know, if you do it once at guaranteed rate field, you're getting booed out of the stadium because White Sox fans view the pickoff attempt as a an absolute by opponents, uh, by opponents only. Yes. Uh, which I do love. I, I love that aspect of White Sox fans. We don't like anyone to even play the game. We just <laughs> we just want to win. Uh, I think, and I, I think one thing that will totally disappear is the casual throw over just to take a break. Correct. You know, where where Andrew Vaughn is at first, and somebody throws over, like you know, Andrew. Well, has, actually, he, I think he was bragging think the other day on TV that he has one career stolen base. But <laughs> I do think though that the casual throw over will not go away with someone like Andrew Vaughn, because with Andrew Vaughn, he runs so slow that they'll throw over three times. You don't care if Vaughn's taken off. In fact, you're going to throw over twice right away to say, "Hey, dude, take the big lead you want. Go for it. Good luck, buddy." Uh, but you will see way less of that against guys who have any threat whatsoever of, of stealing a base. I realize Andrew has a stolen base. Cecil Fielder had two, so he's still chasing <laughs> Cecil Fielder. And I think if you're in the chasing Cecil Fielder category, you're not a stolen base threat to most Major League Baseball teams. Uh, so we'll see how that rule plays out. I don't see it affecting the game too much outside of maybe the bulk situation a little bit more that you mentioned. And then the other rule changed, increasing the size of the bases by a couple inches. That uh, is supposed to have a few aspects of what it does. One is make base stealing a few inches. You know, those, those super close plays, advantage goes to the runners, so a little more offense. Uh, a little safety thing, say at first base, you get Pitcher, especially I think if the pitcher's coming over to cover, you got a little more space between the runner and the guy covering. The other aspect of it was supposed to be an advantage to the runner to be able to keep his foot on the base. So you had fewer of these, uh, the guy, the shortstop or second baseman's holding his glove right on the guy's back until he slides off and then he's out. But for the White Sox, Romy Gonzalez managed to slide off anyway. <laughs> Uh, and it, it looked like, oh no, he didn't. And then showed another angle. Oh yeah, he's about uh, maybe five inches off the back. There well, if there's it. any team that's going to show you that these new rules can backfire, <laughs> it's going to be the White Sox, especially early in spring training. Yeah, the the larger base thing, um, to me, felt silly to begin with. Um, it, 
I, I think, yeah, it's essentially a safety move. You know, in, in our rec league softball, we have the orange base. Uh, when you're running to first, you step on the orange base and not the first base. But then we have regular bases from that point on. I I get it. I Yeah, it will change the outcome of a couple tag plays throughout the year. I, I don't see it having a huge impact on the game. So I'm not against it uh, because I think it won't have a huge impact, but I also don't see the base size mattering too much. Uh, but yeah, we will see a couple plays where the announcers will say, well, if it was the old bases, he would have made it or he would have been out, but because of the new bases, he made it. Uh, but I do think that's going to be you just don't have that many bang bang plays of the style that would where a base size would affect it quite so much. Uh, of course, the distance now between bases you have to use not just the fact a couple inches on the base, but the fact that the good runners are wearing oven mitts now that are four or five feet long. So they actually only have to take about three steps between bases in order to touch. I, I think the oven mitts actually need to be regulated a little more than the base size. So every every time someone goes out, the oven mitt seems to be bigger and bigger. And I'm like, wow. So we're going to have to have a rule at some point that says if you can see a a flap move in the oven mitt as it comes into the base, you're out until we see solid finger contact underneath and. I, I think the oven mitts will need to be policed a bit at some point. I, I like that they're there. Anything that keeps a guy from taking a, a metal spike to the hand is is a good thing. Uh, but I do, I definitely noticed later in the year last year that, you know, Major League Baseball teams are going to push it as far as they can always. And that's fair. That's fair to push it as far as you can. Obviously, we draw a line before high-def cameras and steroids, but uh, the oven mitts are are getting a little goofy. Uh, we should take our break here, uh, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what the White Sox have been doing in spring training. Again, our sample size is very small, but we've seen some good... Strange things. <laughs> and we've seen some bad, uh, but, you know, obviously we're not here in... in Total negative spirits on February 27th. We, we're we not going to judge them too hard from these games. So stick with us, and we will be right back on Sharing Socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. In the first half today, we covered the new rules and their effects or lack thereof thus far. Let's talk a little bit about what the White Sox have done in these first few games. Let's get to weighty matters, because I think that they're interesting. Lance Lynn, now the the other starting pitchers have not pitched, unless you consider Tanner Banks one, but Lance Lynn got into feuds because he's playing in the WBC. And uh, so he got a start. It was a kind of blah start. Had some good moments, some bad moments. 
bad one was three straight hits off the beginning, but then struck out. Yeah, so start, started uh, out slow, had me nervous for a little bit there, but he settled <laughs> in okay. Yeah. Uh, everybody, of course, is in the best shape of their lives. I think we have whatever 150 guys in training camp. Everyone's in the best shape of his life, except <laughs> Lance Lynn, who's in the normal state of his life. Now, Will, we should say, was once in a very good stage play called The Whale, which was made into a uh, apparently very bad movie. But uh, I think Lance could be the title character uh, in that without having to wear the fat suit, which is kind of... Lance, Lance certainly showed up at, at Lance Lynn size. I don't know. Maybe Lance Lynn bigger is the best shape Lance Lynn can be in. I, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, we'll see. I mean, my, obviously my big concern with the guy showing up seemingly bigger than even normal is uh, going to be cardio related. It's going to be the ability to go knee, deep into knee. a game. Uh, knees, you're putting extra weight on the knees. And for those who listen, who aren't necessarily as much of a baseball player, the legs are everything for pitchers. The legs are everything. There's a reason they make pitchers and catchers run so much in those first few weeks is that those legs are the first thing to go when you're out on the mound throwing as hard as you can. So uh, that is my one major concern with Lance Lynn, is it would have been nice to see him show up with a, a little less weight and the hopes that maybe he would uh, be able to hold uh, in terms of uh, stamina through the rest of the game. Um, you have, on the opposite side, Eloy. Uh who lost 25 or 30 pounds. Who lost 25 or 30 pounds, which I think is going to be very good for Eloy. Uh, I don't think it will affect his power. Eloy is just so big and so strong. But losing the 25 pounds is exactly the kind of thing that could keep him from getting hurt so often. And I, I think that's crucial for Eloy. Eloy is one of those guys who I truly believe is an elite talent at the plate. I, I think if Eloy can be healthy and he can have good coaches and he can stay in the right mindset, he is almost as good of a, a power hitter as anybody in the game. Now, we haven't gotten to see Eloy really be healthy, and and we haven't get, gotten to see Eloy with great coaching. So I, I do actually expect a huge step forward from Eloy, both because of the new coaching staff and the fact that he has shown up to, to training camp. Now, all these guys say, oh, I'm in the best shape of my life, which makes me think, why didn't you do that last year? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That that would have been cool to, to show uh, up. Except they said that last year, too. So it, it's, of it's, course. they've been saying it every year. But I do think we have a coach this year that is going to be a lot more concerned with health and with guys being in shape and with guys being able to run. Uh, and that is only going to help your team. These Major League Baseball is a long season, and people think, you know, it's baseball, it's not basketball, you're not running the whole time, but you use those legs so much in baseball. People don't realize it, but oftentimes your third baseman is essentially in squat position for most of the game. Because you have to be ready to snag a, a ball that's coming off the bat at 110 miles an hour. So you are down in that position ready to go. Well, that starts, that alone starts to feel strenuous in August and September when you're playing in 100 degrees and 60% humidity. Uh, it's grueling. It's, there's a reason they call it the dog days of summer. And, and a part of that's the heat, but a part of that is 
you're playing every single day in this weather. If you are not conditioned cardiovascularly, if your legs are not good to go, you you fade out very quickly. Third baseman is the back, too. Uh, and Aloy's weight, I, I have apologies for mentally thinking because uh, uh, back in game one, lost six to two, game two, seven to nothing flat. Uh, but back in game one, one of the uh, Padres laced a shot down the right field line. Right field, it goes running into the corner. Guy never slowed down. Never slowed down. Thinking triple all the way and made it easily. And I'm thinking, that's why Eloy cannot play right field. Turns out Eloy was already out. <laughs> that was Colossus right field. So my apologies for thinking that, Eloy. But I, I, I don't think his weight loss makes any difference. He'll be, it's never, that's never been his problem. He just doesn't know which direction to go when he's in the outfield. Colossus, well, but- and the, the Colossus apparently played it badly off the wall. That's his first game, that part happens no big deal uh colossus incidentally while we're on good things two hits two including hits. one off a major league pitcher uh on uh, sunday's game so he's had two for five something like that so he's, he's doing fine uh yeah although yeah, the other the other advance were minor leaguers and you can't <laughs> always love batting averages in, in the spring i think uh Leury has like a career 850 average <laughs> in spring training and and Jose had about career 120. I may be off a point or two on those two, but yeah. that's how meaningless it all is. But still, not all things are, are, are meaningless. But to go to the negative, in two days, White Sox dropped two pop-ups between pitcher's mound and home. I watched the first one. Now, in fairness, these were minor leaguers, but still, they're not. Rookie leaguers. They've theoretically been trained during the course of the I don't care years. if you're, if you're a little leaguer. Well, you say these situations, <laughs> situations were, and it was literally five guys around on the one on Saturday before uh, Ramos, who's supposed to be one of our superstars coming up, one, one of our great hopes for the future, um, dropped the pop up. All these five guys all congregated about 20 feet in front of home. And I was thinking in little league is when you go over and go, Gosh, guys, do we, did you forget about how you're supposed to call for a ball when you're in the, just, let's try to remember it, guys. And then by high school, you're going, what the hell was going out with you guys? And now here they are professionals. And, and then they did the same thing apparently on Sunday, different group of guys, but the same thing. Uh, Pedro Grafal has his, has his work cut out for him. They were missing cutoff men. Uh, they weren't even lined up to be right cut off, man. And the fundamentals, and Grafal has, has mentioned it very, very greatly. The fundamentals of this team are so horrible. Awful. Awful. As bad as you can be and be a major league baseball team. Yeah, the, the whole, these are, these are issues my rec league softball team has overcome of, of pop ups dropping in the infield and people missing their cutoffs. We get mad at our rec league softball players if they miss a cutoff. If you are a major league baseball player, this is how many cutoff men you should miss each year. I'm holding up a zero for those who aren't watching the YouTube version. You should never miss a cutoff man if you are a major league baseball player. I think Pedro Grafal probably knew how bad the fundamentals were going to be, but I think it was probably even eye-opening for him to see them. I think so look this bad this early and you know with colossus playing the ball that's that's gonna happen 
Yeah, but he, was, also, he was actually being very cautious with the ball more than mis- misplaying. Sure. Uh, yeah. it, it, that, that just, I, I don't think that was a concern. But it was concerned me, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, Aloy, you can't be out there. And the fact, yeah, it's colossal. But I do think, you know, I mentioned this before. I said, if, if I'm playing against the White Sox, I'm running on the right fielder every time until they prove me otherwise, until they prove me wrong. I, well, if, last year, if you ran on everybody, everybody, every time. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I'm saying this year, you know, theoretically, Ben Attendee's competent and left. Theoretically, Luis will kind of get back to form and center. He's got major throwing issues, but he's got a cannon. So if he can figure out the fundamental aspects of throwing, he's going to be good. But with right field, even with Colossus, who I know is supposed to be great up and coming, he's still very, very, very new to Major League Baseball. I'm running on him every time until he proves me wrong. And I, I think he's got that's a cannon. He's a, he's a former pitcher. Absolutely. He's, he's got the arm, but we, this is major league baseball. You have to prove to them that you not only have the arm, but the arm's going to send the ball to the correct base at the correct time, or the arm can hit a cutoff man or the arm can, uh, can actually throw somebody out who's, who's moving in, in the progress of the game. I, I think Coloss will get better, but I think uh, there's a lot of mentality that he is the guy right now. And I guess he is because there's not another guy. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a slow curve for Coloss with the with going against major league pitching and then playing right field against major league hitters. They, you know, they say baseball is the hardest sport to go from the lower professional levels to the higher professional levels because the speed of the game at the pro level is so much faster. Even even in AAA where you have a lot of guys who are going to play pro baseball, you also have a ton of guys who are never going to play pro baseball. They're all major league, play, 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 major league baseball. Major League Baseball. They are playing pro baseball, despite what a lot of their paychecks say and how horribly they're mistreated. Uh, I'm talking about making it to the majors. It's a huge difference in the speed of the game. And it'll be interesting to see how Coloss adjusts to that, having played so little high minor league baseball. Yeah, 31 at-bats last year in AAA. Uh, one other negative thing I thought was uh, Yasmati Grandal, they called it a wild pitch, uh, just totally failed to catch. It was, it was a pass ball. Uh, you know, he's not been a good catcher for a long time. And the things we can't say, he may be great at, Handling pitchers, I mean, we we can't know that really. Yeah, maybe there 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 are very deep statistics you can get into, but in general, you can't look and see that. Yeah, uh, but boy, he just you know, I <laughs> he says he's in great shape and he had special work coming up, but I hope the knees are there and I hope he's able to to uh, manipulate along. Let's, I do think go. I just to touch on that. I do think that Yasmani is going to be one of the key problem spots for us this year. I, I think I, I do too. I think and I, and I was not impressed with Perez, who was part of that gang of five on, on Saturday. It may have been the one on Sunday as well. I think they went even deeper for, for the catcher at that time. Uh, let's before before we go off a couple of things off the field. James Click, who I wanted to be our uh, general manager when Rick Hunt got fired, which of course it's never going to happen. Click will be dead. Is now gone to the Blue Jays as a vice president. So that little theory, I mean, it's not like Hunt was. <laughs> We're just we're just waiting for jury to you know, uh, but yeah. uh, off the field things too. Uh, Mike Clevenger, we'll have to bring the name in, uh, decided to up his wonderfulness by threatening to sue uh, the score, the radio station, 
for daring to let his accuser be on the air. He talked at length about it. That was okay. She can't. <laughs> I don't think that's yeah, a lawsuit that, going to happen. Somebody pointed out if they actually dirty, suit, dirty he'd, have, he'd have to go into deposition under oath. <laughs> that would not be but good he'll, for him. He'll just lie. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that, that I thought was bad, and, and Tim loved Tim Anderson in 90% of ways, but he has a propensity to maybe shoot off his mouth or get uptight in ways that he should not get uptight. And I think it hurts his baseball sometimes during the season when he gets uptight about things for sure. And he had off-season issues last year too. He he just looked tense a lot of the time. Anyway, I was talking to Chuck Garfine, who the worst, hardest thing Chuck Garfine ever says about team it's something like well i thought the dipping dots were a little off today you know it, it's it's and he, he's going well you guys are supposed to be all pro you're being negative but i'm sorry it's not the job of the media to be positive about the team it's to talk about as honestly as you can about the team and that was just crazy going off on that on Garfine of all people but you know Ozzy said after well me yeah (laughs) but Chuck (laughs) it was uh it was just a very strange thing to do at the beginning of spring training when almost all stories other than Clevenger stories are really puff pieces yeah they're all best shape of his life pieces I mean, uh, I think it's, I think that's a, an effect of being on a team for three years that's supposedly in their championship window and completely underachieving. I mean, that's a defense mechanism more than anything. And yeah, I think it is, but he needs to get over that. And, 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 well, he and, does. He does because you're not going to play your best baseball thinking they're wrong about us. What you're going to do is you got to go out there and prove everybody wrong. And then you get to reap the benefits of that dialogue changing around the team and around the game. You don't just get to show up the next year after being incredibly disappointing and us say, all right, well, those last two years weren't good, but we think this year's going to, it's going to all just come together. It's not how it works. You have to earn it. I mean, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a child's game. Go out there and prove to us that you should be making millions of dollars to play a child's game. And until you do so, the media fully reserves the right to, in an honest fashion, critique what you are doing or not doing uh, that that can achieve that. So when it comes to that stuff, Tim, he's got to get out of his head about it. He needs to, he's been underachieving too. I realize he's, he's good. He's one of our good guys. But we need to see better play and better leadership from Tim Anderson. We have to, or this season is also going to be lost on us. Tim is such a crucial part of this team. He has to be better. And acting like that's not necessarily going to get it done. But let's just chalk it up to first few days of spring training, immense insecurities. He's on the defensive instead of the offensive. But let's, Tim, if you want the media to stop, go out there and prove them that this year will be different. Prove it with the glove. Prove it with the bat. Prove it with the off-field intangibles. Prove it with the the clubhouse intangibles. Prove us wrong. And I promise you, we will change the dialogue about this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, The one person with, of course, all negative dialogue, I'm keeping an eye here on MLB trade rumors in case – 
MLB office has decided to do something about Mike Clevenger, which of course they will not. I, I think part of that could be, uh, you're not really punishing the player by banning him during, uh, spring training because he's not getting paid anyway. Uh, you know, you're only punishing him from day one of the season. You're punishing the White Sox big time because they've got to have it hanging around. So it could be, let's get even with Jerry for being such a jerk. <laughs> kind of, because it's been going on forever. It's just gotten really silly. Um, what else? A game coming up on, on Monday. Uh, by the time anybody sees or hears this, it'll be over, but it's going to be the first game for Benintendi and first game back for Elvis Andrews. I think they're both playing. Uh, the guys who are going to the world, uh, baseball, uh, classic are all going to be playing. I guess, uh, if all said the next three days. And one thing we have screamed for years about how many pitches it takes White Sox pitchers to get through an inning, starting pitchers, especially, but throwing way too many pitches. Griffal and Katz made a big deal Sunday, I guess, about the fact they want the strike zone being attacked big time. They want two-thirds of the pitches in the zone. They were only getting 56%, I think, the first couple of days. Uh, that's different yep. from two-thirds of pitches being strikes when you look at the bottom of a box score because you're getting credit for what's outside of the zone that somebody swung out on that. But they right. want two-thirds of in the zone, pound the zone, and, and make the batters work for it, and that would be an Absolutely excellent change for the Sox. It would, but going off of what we talked about earlier, if you're going to throw two-thirds of the pitches in the zone, the defense has to know how to play defense because (laughs) attacking the zone means more balls in play. Nothing wrong with that at all, but your defense has to be ready to do it. But if our defense can get it together, still have a lot of spring training left, a lot of time to work on these things, Elvis Andrews coming back. He's a fundamental baseball player. Hopefully that will inspire some of the guys on the team. Uh, you never know, but hopefully there's a, a good chance that this defense can actually get it together under this new leadership. That is all the time we have for today, though. Do you have any final thoughts before we sign off here? No, the, no. Just going to be watching spring. I'm going to watch today's game, watch the spring training, and enjoy the fact that baseball is back, and just hope. Nobody during the course of the regular season hits a pop-up 20 feet in front of home plate against us. Yes, let us let us hope for that. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We love that baseball's back. Go White Sox, and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.